So we ain't never connect much as family on us over the years though. Where you was where you was living at? Exactly how we how we connected with family. Um we used to play ball against each other, Roman and Junior. Yeah, I remember Junior. Yeah, yeah and then Buford was like, but yeah, well, Lawrence yeah. is my cousin. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, I tell him today he was supposed to pull up today. But he couldn't make it. He had he to do make some it. runs for his mommy. But, um... I see them in so long. Mm. Yeah, the last uh, time I saw you was, like, when you probably... Because I left COB, like, in yeah. 2011. And I left right next year. Yeah, yeah. So, that's when I... Went to Atlanta mm-hmm. and then I wasn't really coming home like that between 2012 and 2017. I hear you. So by the time I came back home, it was like, hey, that's a whole stranger. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel now. <laughs> I mean, come through in due time. You just have yeah. to re ingratiate yourself yeah. and back into the matrix. Yeah. So we back at it again. I know it's been a while and I have a lot of different stories, but we got to get back into it. This is episode 91, and we have another powerful guest on today. I revealed it to you, so you can't see him because the shot is on me. And I in, you know, my little Dragon Ball Z tape. See what I mean? <laughs> but welcome to another episode of Everything Cool. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach But they don't come over the hill where we sleep We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me Alright, now we back from the intro And let me reveal my guest introducing The man himself Please introduce yourself, sir. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? You know, Lorenzo Roll, I guess is the name. But if you know you from, if you know me as Rennie, that means you really know me. Mm. You know, but um, I'm here, man. It's me back in the Bahamas after about a decade long of being gone and uh, you know trying to integrate myself back into the lifestyle and the swing of things once again. Uh, like how is like how long you been back for exactly? <sighs> It's been less than a year. It's still been less than a year. Oh, so you I, still sort of shaking? Because mm-hmm. I know my brother, he just recently moved back and he like, it's the whole time to get readapted to third world living. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it yeah. is. Yeah, not, not your fingertips no more. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I got to do this to do this yeah. to do this yeah. to make this work. And then follow the, follow the you know, the, the spider web to get where you need to be. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, and... I, I tell them like, yeah, it, you, yeah, it's supposed to work like this, but if you really want to get things, then you have to employ like mafia like tactics. You gotta go <laughs> deep, and you gotta be so creative. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Or it's just like you know, you gotta know who know, and then mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. understand and speak their language. Because again, mafia mm-hmm. tactics. Yeah. <laughs> Real. <laughs> so let's yeah. start from the beginning. Because, like, the first time I probably met you was when we was in high school and we used to play um, ball against each other, like, you know, from, I think, yeah, 2008. That's when yeah. I was playing on Junior. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, the story starts way before then. So, tell us about your early origins in school, high school life, and, you know, before you sort of get gone, went to college and chose your career path. Man, you know, well, well, my earlier days, I can remember being at Faithway, Faithway Christian Academy, right? 
Mm. And even in being at Faithway, that was like preschool years still, right? I got kicked out of Faithway. How? Wait, hold on. How you get kicked out of Faithway? Like I got kicked out of Faithway. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was in, like I say, preschool yeah. You know what you, I mean? You sound like you was bad, bro. But listen, I see my <laughs> I see my son LJ now, and I say to myself, "Why? Well, I guess I I understand why, you know." Yeah. And my mom took me to Bahamas Academy mm. after that, and I went to school. You know, growing up, growing up in Pinewood, I I never really knew or felt like I was. In the struggle mm-hmm. until until I probably left the Bahamas. You know what I mean? Oh, but, what you mean by that? Like you you look and you see how you see how other people are living. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you I get I got so used to at times not having or, you know, like walking the streets barefoot and, you know, these type of things and then not not knowing that I didn't have access to certain things. Right. So when I went and I left and went left the Bahamas and went off to school. Mm. I didn't have funds, you understand? So I thought everybody else was in the same boat as me. No, everybody no. else hustling, how I hustling? <laughs> you no, know? Some people, you realize, some people, you, at certain ages, you get introduced to, to recognize different levels of wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I, it was like, even right now, sometimes when I encounter people, it's like, so you always been having this access to this, this always been at yeah. your fingertips. I can't yeah. really comprehend I feel like I only get certain levels of access because I work hard for it. Where some people um, it was just, just born into it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. So it's a whole different type of mentality and mindset. Yeah. So was it um well not to skip or so when did you decide to say, hey, I wanted to be uh actually what is your correct uh, um, designation or title? Yeah, yeah. Well what type of therapist are you? Psychotherapist. Okay, so you're I'm a psycho- psychotherapist. Okay. Yeah. So so I use I use different strategies. You know, what I like to focus on more so is is solution focused therapy, right? Person centered therapy. Right. So my approach isn't necessarily from a standpoint of oh, as a psychotherapist, so I, I prescribe medications or no, I don't I don't do that. But I come from a perspective of where you're at. You know, you might have went through something in this life similar and, and if you realize you find yourself in a cycle. If you know how you've gotten over one challenge before, the truth is you can probably get over the next one, mm. right? But you might need that guidance and how to get there. You know what I mean? That's why I feel, I guess, my my early years, even though I was growing up in Pinewood and I had to deal with so many different people in the community, characters, and then also being involved in the church and growing up in a church, mm. every Sabbath having to go to church, you know, that really taught me how to connect with people on different levels, how to respect people at different levels in different areas mm. of my life, mm. you know? And I just I just pull it together at the end of the day mm. as a therapist, man. So when you was at um, CLV at that time, mm-hmm. UV, um, like, was that something that you was pursuing at that oh, time? Oh, no. Where I was at UB, um, I was studying marine science, mm. right? So for those that know, there's this little, there's this place, um, are new, new, new thing. They call it small island sustainability. Yeah, that, that's something, that term that came about like probably like after 2013, 2014. Yeah. Because they yeah. started hearing people start to say they're getting degrees in that around that time. Right. But mm-hmm. this was like fresh at high school for us, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, Marguerite Blackwell, I think was the lady's name, who, who was spearheading it. So you had guys like me, Teron Sims, and you know a few of us who were just uh, 
show Cargill. <laughs> like, mm. it's just about probably five or six of us, and mm. we were studying marine. I was studying marine science, but we were all studying in small island sustainability. Mm. And that's what our degrees were tailored to, right? Mm. So I was studying small island sustainability, wanted to be a marine biologist at the time. And when I wanted to be a marine biologist at that time, I started to focus and see how to best navigate that in the Bahamas, mm -hmm. you know? And then I was on a full scholarship, I guess, at the time for track and field and basketball too, right? Mm -hmm. So Kim Rule, Kim Rule at, the, at UB now, I think she's still the athletics director. Okay. And she saw me out with a, with a scholarship at that time to help me with my education. Mm -hmm. But I changed things at that point in time from studying marine science I went on to study in theology after that. So I was a pastor for a couple of years. Wait, hold on. So this was, <laughs> this all happened while you was at UV? No, after. Like, I was at UV studying marine science. And right. then when I left and I think... So when you left? 2012. Okay. Yeah, I think 2012 was when I left. I went on a one-way one trip to, to Canada, bro. And I went right. to sell books door to door. My goal was to come back, you know. Oh no, but you 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 jumping over that. I know, bro. So a lot that happened. <laughs> where, okay, you left to go to Canada. So yeah. you went to go to Canada for school? No, I went to go to Canada just to sell books. Okay. The goal was to come back home uh -huh. after 2012, go work this summer. Because my boys, them they tell me, say, man, Randy, we make like three thousand dollars selling books. Uh -huh. I say, selling books. Well, if they make three thousand dollars, and this actually why I have to break things down sometimes. Mm. I figured I could go there. And I could double the money they make by just working twice as hard, mm. you know? So I challenged myself in that. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's do this. Let me, let me go and see how hard I could work. If I can make three, three grand in a summer, that's prime. I could come back to COB. I got to be driving that Wyndham I was driving. You know, the Wyndham's back in the day used to run hot. Mm. <laughs> so I had to stop, like, by on my way to school, making sure I, if it run hot, I have my water in the car, uh. refill that. And I keep bubbling, mm. right? So after I would have made that three grand, I was gonna come right back to COB, bro. And so, finish up. what? What actually? What type of books y'all were selling like at the time? So we had books. There was this one book called Foods That Heal, mm. Plants That Heal. Um, so it was more so on a holistic type. Of yeah, okay. married couples. Um, then we had Steps to Christ, mm. right? And then we had this nice. I call it a history book. It's called The Great Con Controversy. Uh, for those who like history when it comes to Christianity and religion, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it actually breaks down from when the churches themselves were first established, mm -hmm. right? And it shows you how different religions would have came out of, you know, one place. But it also breaks down and speaks more, too, of how, um, well, I guess the Adventist church in itself started, mm -hmm. where Sabbath came around in some aspects. Um, so that's kind of what I what, what I recognize with, with that. Okay. So you, know, you gone. So did you make the three thousand dollars? But I went there, and after <laughs> I sold those books, oh. that same book I was telling you about just now, the Great Controversy, was the toughest one to sell because okay. it was so full of religion. Mm. And some days I would have tough days where I wanted to give up, bro. And on those days, I would legit start out with the Great Controversy because I said to myself, bro, I don't want nobody to talk to me. I don't want no one to bother me. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start with the Great Controversy. And if they don't want to talk to me, I look fine. My day goes faster. But on days when I did that, I made more money, hmm. right? So long story short, I did end up doubling the money they made. I made like six grand that first summer. Wow. Never selling books before. Never doing this before. You so know? you were selling the books like you were working in a bookstore? It was like a hand-to-hand -hand type no, thing? No, bro. It was like a, 
door to door type thing. So you would just walk up on different walk on the streets, bro. Mm. The streets of Canada. Now picture this. When I first came down, I think in man, they have us in a nice maybe shop or something, or mm. they have us in a facility where people come into us. But no, when I found out that you had to actually walk door to door. And then where you were living, mm. it's probably about 10 to 15 of us living in one house. Mm. So you had your air mattress, you find your spot. Mm. And then the next day, when 12 o'clock come, you hit the road, bro. And mm. you just go knocking doors through the streets. So walking. this was like for two months, three months? Or it was three months, but the entire summer. The All earlier right. you got there, the more time you had. Okay. Right? So it'll probably start in about May. Mm. And it'll go until end of August. Okay. But somebody, if you want to end early, you could. But... You know, I'd go no rest for the weary, bro. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you, so by the end of the summer, what made you decide, hey, well, did you go back? Okay, obviously, you had to go back yeah. to school. Uh, I didn't. So, okay, so at the end of the summer, would mm-hmm. you, what was the turning point where you was like, okay, I ain't coming back? I actually made the sixth grade. And then what you did with, with So that? when I made that sixth grade, it actually opened my eyes to what I could actually accomplish, bro. Mm. Because the sixth round wasn't an easy feat, right? Mm. Another thing where I was caught off guard was I thought that in me selling these books, I would have been wearing my own clothes. So I was packing my clothes like this, right? Like mm. I packing different jeans, shirts, dress shirts, thinking I had to be presentable in an office setting or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, I get there and they tell me they had shirts already prepared for me. So I was wearing the same shirt every day. So I bring like two suitcases full of clothes because I think and I have to wear and change clothes regularly. Mm-hmm. At the end of that summer, I hadn't worn any of those clothes. Wow. <laughs> so I had a suitcase and a half full of clothes, mm. shoes, everything I needed, and I had six grand. Mm. Now, uh, yes, I was in a full scholarship at UB. I was doing well, throwing the javelin. I had just come from Carifta. Mm. Fresh off my first year, I ever thrown a job, and then I went to, went to Carifta, bro. Mm-hmm. And instead of going back to that, I I did the math, and I recognized that if I was to go to Trinidad and Tobago for school, that that six grand would cover my full year. Oh wow, full year, and not just that. I no longer wanted to study marine science. You know that ch- that that course of door to door sales and having to really find God for myself, bro, during that whole time, it actually directed me and pointed me in the line of theology, mm. right? And that's when I changed my major from marine science to, to religious studies, went to Trinidad and Tobago, and that was my journey to now become a pastor. Okay, so stop right there, because this is a lot. We, we ain't covering a lot. So, okay, so what school this was in Trinidad and Tobago? The University of the Southern Caribbean. Okay. Yeah, Maracas so, Valley. So how, okay, so what was the process? Because that was the next thing I was going to ask you was, you know, about the documentation in Canada. But mm-hmm. then you, you, um, you said you went to Trinidad and Tobago. So when you yes. started applying, you started that school that fall or? Yeah, so that September, that fall, mm-hmm. I while I was selling books, right, I was already praying and I was already trying to find some type of direction, mm-hmm. right? And when I thought of Trinidad and Tobago and I put the application and stuff in play, that was me doing my part and allowing God to just do whatever else after that, bro. Like I was mm. quite content with having to return to the Bahamas, you know. Mm. I was ready to do that, but I gave myself an option of what would Trinidad and Tobago look like, right? right? And if I was study, was to study religious studies, how do I get there? So probably like 
end of July, August, I started putting out and sending out some applications to the University of the Southern Caribbean. Um, and they accepted me, bro. And when they accepted me, I kind of just went from there. Mm. Um, and that was when I went to the University of the Southern Caribbean, right? Because they accepted my degrees, they my, my previous history from, from UB. Yeah, 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 credits. Credits and, and transfers. Yeah. But you know, normally you have people saying they don't want to go to COB because... They don't get the credits transferred. Get, That's what happened to me. Mm. <laughs> I had to oh, like, okay. <laughs> like literally none of my credits transferred to AI. So wow. it's like I started from scratch. I mean... But because it was a quarter school, yeah, I'd only added like an extra year on, you know, I still had to I go for four, four years because yeah. we, I was always in school. That's why it was barely, like between, that's what I say, between 2012 and the end of 2016, I was probably home for a cumulative time of two months because mm. I would only come home for like two weeks, even yeah. in summertime, yeah. only two weeks later, right and back. And gone. Yeah. 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 So, you know. So, and I, and I realized that over the course of time too, like when I left in 2012, mm. I didn't come back home for like about another year and a half or something like that too, mm. right? And I was, I just became so focused, bro, on something else going on. You know, I can't, I can't necessarily spend time here, but I always knew I wanted to come back home though. Of course. So your time in Trinidad, how long yeah. you was there for? I was there for a year. Okay, so they took yeah. everything to where Bro. you wasn't gonna get yeah graduation date wasn't gonna get pushed back. Yeah, so and even though I was studying marine science, my first year I guess or two at UCOB at the time mm. were some of the classes like geography and stuff mm. wasn't necessarily in line with my religious studies degree, but I still was able to break it down where I would have only had three years left mm. if I was was to go to Trinidad. Okay. Right. And I just started taking like, you know, normally your full course credits for a university term might be like 12 to 15 credits. Yeah. I started taking like 18, 21 credits, mm. some semesters, you know, to get myself through that. Okay. But Trinidad was a beautiful thing, not just because of the food. That's, I'd go back to Trinidad right now just for the food. Okay. Just for the food. I could go down the road and get some doubles. Mm. You know what I mean? For little to nothing. And a dollar, a US dollar is like six TT. Mm. Right. So... It, it's, it's affordable, mm. you know, but the same time, you see how I would mention I was at Carifta? Yeah. When I was in COB, I was throwing the javelin and the guy that won Carifta that year, yeah. his name is Keyshawn Walcott. He's from Trinidad and Tobago. The following year, he actually went to the Olympics and won the gold, gold medal, bro. Oh, wow. So when I did move to Trinidad and I started studying there, mm. Uh, good contact of mine, good, Richie, Richie Goodman. Yeah, uh, you know I, I, yeah, I know Richie. Bro, I, I just saw Richie. him two, probably like a month ago. Bro, I don't know Richie. From time, Richie used to manage, bro. Mm. Richie could have get you in contact with anybody you need to get in contact with. Mm -hmm. I say, man, Richie, Brian, Trinidad. You know, the Olympian, Keyshawn Walcott. I hear he live out here. He from Trinidad. I still want to stick with the javelin, bro. You think you could get me sorted out with some training? Richie called me back the next day. Bereni, you got to be X, Y, and Z this time, etc. Boom. Mm. When I went there, Keyshawn Walcott and his coach were training me, bro. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I had a I had a gold Olympian, gold medalist, mm. and his coach training me in Trinidad and Tobago. So while I would go to school during the day, mm. once I was done with that, I'd travel about two hours, go to practice, train, and then I'd have like two hours to come back though. Mm. You know, and then over time, you know, that became taxing and time consuming. 
But it was it was one of the things I really appreciated about Trinidad. So what you was training for? Like you was competing for your school or uh no, just I just wanted to I wanted to throw the job in for the Bahamas still. Okay. And I figured that if I had continued training, I would have gotten to the Olympics at some point and I would have been able to represent. So all the yeah. Sean A them, Sean yeah. A Miller, UBO Miller and yeah. uh, Anthony Strong, who carrying on now. Yeah. I used to um Carifta with all of them. Mm. You know. Mm. And now everybody just in their prime. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. So, okay, so from Trinidad, so when, yeah. what was your thinking by the end of that to where you was starting to think, okay, I better move back to Canada? Well, for me, it was, I started doing the math. Mm. I knew that the first year when I went to Trinidad, I made six grand, right? So if I made six grand in the first year, when I didn't know what I was doing, I was like, okay, well, Lorenzo, you have to go to Canada again because that's why I paid for my first year at Trinidad. So for me to pay for my second year, I got to go back and work. I got to go sell some books. Mm. So I went back to Canada, started getting these books, selling these books again. And then I, I, I started thinking of the pricing. For me to travel to Canada every year and back to Trinidad, would have cost me about a thousand dollars, but Trinidad ain't where I'm from. I'm from the Bahamas, mm-hmm. so why why should I travel back and forth from Trinidad to Canada? And on my breaks, I go into Canada to work, rather than being able to travel from Canada and just go home, mm-hmm. right? So I tried to transfer universities again, you know. So I, you didn't graduate from Trinidad? Yeah, no, bro. I was only there for a year. Oh, See, I thought you. Okay, so you transfer from there to, to Canada after that. Okay, see, because so, people have this idea or preconceived notion that if they start something, they have to finish it the exact same way they started it, and they feel as though they can't start over or make a mistake and readjust, bro. You know, because then you'll you'll fail. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm that prime example now of you don't have to just follow one path. Like you could actually walk and feel as though you're in accordance to how God is leading you in your life. And still, at the end of the day, find some success if you're truly on the path to finding it, though. You see? Mm-hmm. So when I went to Trinidad, I I didn't, when I, sorry, when I left Trinidad after that first year, and I went back to Canada to sell books again, I, I recognized that opportunities were, yes, better in Canada. Not just that, but for me to study in Canada, I couldn't just make six grand that mm-hmm. year. I would have to make 10. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm up to auntie, because if I don't make 10 grand, I have to go back to Trinidad, mm. right? And because that's where it would have been most feasible. Mm-hmm. Old lady ain't had no money to send for me to go to school. Mm. You know, I had no scholarships. Government wasn't giving me nothing. It's just me, bro. And I got to hustle. Mm. I got to do what I have to do. Mm. So I challenged myself when I went back to, to, to Canada for the second year to sell books. And I figured, okay, Lorenzo, if you really want to transfer universities again, the only way that it would make sense is if you made $10,000. That $10,000 would give you X amount of scholarships from the university. Then you could work about four jobs on campus, which I had to do. Um, and then in the end, maybe it would work, you know? And that's where the kind of challenge began. Hmm. Right? So, you, I, yeah, so we were assuming <laughs> that he, he made that $10,000. <laughs> yeah. Bro, that... that that was a that was a tough one, man. I mean, I had days, I had days of selling books, bro. Where 
it was so bad that I couldn't eat lunch. So I'd have like anxiety, right? Because it was my second year selling books and I had to do it mainly by myself. Normally they would send us out with a partner. So mm-hmm. if you and I would go in, we'd go walk in these streets two by two. You would take the right, I'd take the left and we divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. You get my saying? But because we were off with our ratios, I had to go by myself. Mm-hmm. And Lorenzo, oh, Lorenzo made six grand last year. Oh, Lorenzo was a top canvasser. It don't work like that mentally still, bro. Mm-hmm. It's still a challenge. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Even in pursuing what you're pursuing in your life. Mm-hmm. As much as you might see as so you're doing what you got to do and you're pushing and you're pressing, bro, it's still a challenge, you know? So in those days, I, I was probably the most closest to God that I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Still saying that to this day because I had to go out there alone. To walk the streets alone, and something would happen where every morning at five a.m. I'd be up every morning. I have my little devotion, get myself mentally prepared for that day. But on the days I wouldn't eat lunch, that's how bad the anxiety was. Because if I had to stop, right, I'd be knocking doors from like sometimes ten in the morning until ten p.m. You know, mm-hmm. straight through. And if you get in a break, your break is at three o'clock, three to four. And then you got to go back out again and knock the doors from four until sunset. But in Alberta, the sun don't set until some nights 11 p.m. Oh, wow. So once light up, I knock in doors. Mm. And the days where I didn't eat, it was because if I stop and took a break for an hour, then I have to get myself mentally prepared to go again. Mm. And it was just too strenuous. Mm. You know, so I did some calculations. I look at my, cal- my calendar and I said, okay, Lorenzo, now if you want to make 10 grand, um... I divided it up into weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever goal you're trying to achieve still, you still have to break it down, right, into categories. So I divided it up into weeks, and I figured, okay, well, if I wanted to make 10 grand, I would have to make about 1,000, not 1,000. I would have to make like about, on average, $400 a day, mm-hmm. right? Because based on the ratios that the organization would give me back and pay me, mm-hmm. that was the only way that it would be feasible. And so the $10,000 for that entire summer, mm. actually came down to the last week, bro, and whether or not I would have made it, you know? And in that final week, I pushed and I pushed and I went through days of giving the books away for free. I went through days of not eating. I went through days of people swearing at me between the doors, you know? And at the end of the summer, bro, I made that 10 grand. Talk to me about the how your mental state is around this time after sort of you know, testing your faith mm-hmm. and seeing the fruits of your faith, mm. as well as being in this hustle and bustle type of mentality and yeah. understanding when to turn it off. <laughs> you know, um, coming back to the Bahamas and actually putting my foot back in the waters, mm. that hustle and bustle mentality, I realized that it's not just me, right? It's almost like I jump back into the water with everybody and we mm. all swimming, you know, and we all fighting for something and we all struggling with this lack of sleep and we all, you know, stressed and feel overwhelmed at times. And the journey hasn't been easy, bro, especially when it comes to testing my faith mm-hmm. because you got to realize I was in a country by myself. Uh-huh. I didn't have the support systems in place. There were days where I was actually alone, bro. Mm. You know, like nobody alone in the desert, in the jungle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, and, and 
I'd say that my coming to the conclusion of my faith in God, bro, mm. you know, and understanding that at the end of the day, God directs my path, you know. That's understandable and, because I feel like just going off of my own experience mm-hmm. and experience of others, you know, when you get in that mind state of I have to go down this path and it's a lot, it's arduous, and then you come up for air. You might, it's almost like having PTSD because you've been yeah. on the battlefield so long. Yeah. It's like, now I gotta unlearn some of this behavior later yeah. on in life because I may not be in that state and time in my life anymore. Yeah. But it's like it's these things, this thought of feeling still haunting me in a certain kind of way. And, and it's difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. It's difficult because it pushes you to that place of whether you're gonna quit. Like, are you actually gonna give up? Mm-hmm. In fact, the challenge comes to is because sometimes I don't feel like I'm doing nothing, bro. Like I'm sitting here today and I still feel behind. Mm, yeah, like, that's it right there. Like <laughs> you be, you be, like, you be in a good position and it's yeah. like things progressing, but you be like, wait, I ain't doing nothing because yeah. I used to. Yeah, have to, you know, gotta be on and on and on, and you gotta be no sleep. You gotta be, you mm. know, like sitting here today. I work a double last night. Mm. I work overnight last night, eleven p.m. to seven a.m. Mm. Get off this morning, you know what I mean? Have another shift again tonight, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., mm. you know? Um, and uh, with that comes the free therapy every Wednesday. Mm. With that comes the sessions mixed in between. With that comes the planning a, 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 a summer camp for July, mm. you know? So even in the mix of all these things and what I guess I've accomplished already, coming from through Canada, being in Trinidad for a while, um, traveling around, like... I just still feel behind, bro. Hmm. You know? So, so let's talk about you becoming this pastor now. Yeah. Because, <laughs> okay, what school you transferred to in Canada to complete your religious studies degree? Uh, the university was Berman University. Okay. I had to think because they changed the names too, right? Like how it went from COB to UB. Yeah. They changed it from Canadian University College mm. to Berman University. And they actually achieved university status the year I graduated, mm. right? So other than that, I wouldn't have had a university on my degree. It would have been a college. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I transitioned to that. And when I got that and received that degree, I was going to stay in Canada and work for a little bit. Mm. But a good buddy of mine had passed away, you know, Roger Smith. Rest in peace, you know, Roger that. That, he, that, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he used to go to New Providence. The Providence SDA Church right down Soldier Road. Okay. And um, he was he was an officer, a defense force officer. Okay. You know, so he passed away. I came home for his funeral, mm. right? And after I came home for his funeral, um, I ended up staying. You know, I ended up staying Bahamas Academy at the time. They needed help with a technical drawing teacher. Mm. So I was a teacher too. It was crazy. I taught high school, grade nine, technical drawing. And then I coached the basketball team at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me on to working as a pastor because I was with the Seven Adventist Church. Mm-hmm. And they had me running two churches. I was a youth pastor. They had me running um, Maranatha. Um, and I can't remember the other church name. was in Lizzie. Mm-hmm. But I, I was a pastor for my period of time too. So I was pastoring and I was teaching at the same time. So how long this period was? About a year again. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy, Because eh? mm-hmm. everything was always coming back to like a year. I went to Berman University. And when I went then I started to study theology. They accepted my credits from Trinidad mm-hmm. and COB. Mm-hmm. So I was able to graduate what, what, what was supposed to be like a 
four year, another four years, they tried to say, okay, because it was pre-professional, it was something called a pre-professional track, mm. right? That track was, track was actually four and a half years mm. where they integrate pastoral practicum into your studies. In Trinidad, it wasn't necessarily the way it was in, in Canada. Mm. So when they tried to inter integrate those things, it was supposed to be about four and a half. I mm -hmm. think I graduated Canada in like three. Okay, so by this time you would have been already in college for like six years. Five. Okay. Yeah, yeah about like, five, mm -hmm. five, six. Because I was like started at 18 by like 22. 22, I was in Canada. Yeah, by 24, I was done. By 26, I was done my master's. Something like that. So when did the... Um, Psychotherapy degree come into place? Yeah. Well, it was it was actually because I realized a lot of my colleagues who were studying in the pastoral realm, mm. whether it be this organization, that organization, um, they they had to do a lot of counseling, right? Because you deal with your members. Mm. So if my member has marriage issues, I have to be able to talk on marriage therapy, right? Mm. If they're struggling with addictions, I have to be able to address that from a therapeutic perspective, not just a biblical one. <laughs> but you know, talk about that real no. quick, because is with the rise of um, mental awareness, mm -hmm. there's been come calling the question that you know people like to go to the pastor. That's always been a traditional thing. Yeah. But then we people express like, yo, yeah, pastor isn't psycho uh, psychiatrically trained. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they could give you a biblical interpretation yeah. of what you do, but they can't give you the science behind. And, you know, a lot of pastors have become humble and say, yeah, you come for me to counseling, but you might sit and to see a psychiatrist right. or a therapist as well. Mm -hmm. So talk about that, the importance of, you know, you being a pastor and having <laughs> this yeah. therapy background as well. See, now, I, I realized that the pastors and stuff just weren't trained, bro. The elders within the church weren't trained. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just me working here in Nassau as a pastor for that year, period of a year. Mm -hmm. My last two years at university in Canada, mm. I was running a church myself mm. for the conference there. Mm. Uh, Rimby Church is the name of it. Had a small little congregation of about five, six members. But by the time I was done, we had about 15 members going there strong after two years, mm. right? University kids coming in, speakers coming from the university. And that's what Rimby Church became. So I was running a church in my last two years of university. And I'm recognizing that pastors elders they're not they're not fully equipped to deal with the stresses that come the self-harm the suicidal ideation the the anxiety the depression you know mm -hmm. the the addictions right and not just that sometimes because they do come from just a religious perspective mm -hmm. that makes the individual feel more so judged and mm -hmm. not heard mm -hmm. right not understood right and that's why i went down that route i figured if i was to do a master's in counseling psychology that I would honestly, bro, it's like back to the numbers for me. Like, how do I actually get ahead of my competition? Mm. You know, it's it's still. I mean, that makes sense that, because you know. it's like because that's the whole stigma behind. You know, obviously, for the last decade has been this conversation of why millennials and mm -hmm. down leaving the church, yeah. and then that's one of the reasons because it's like, okay, if I need help. Mm -hmm. The people that ain't equipped to help me properly, and then they're not so, even doing it with a sense of confidentiality that too <laughs> you know like you might end up in a sermon <laughs> like what like no I, I'm not I'm not here for that uh, yeah. <laughs> you know Sorry. so yeah and that's where I 
I decided I had to be different, bro. Um, and not that there aren't a lot of pastors who would have went down the counseling route. Of course. And, and, and done it. But there's a difference when you still work within that, I don't know what I want to call it, a box, but a, the box of pastoral leadership. Mm. Um, and when you actually step out of that and, and realize that people need so much more, mm. you know, people do, right? So. so how was it like, you know, beginning your practice and how had your life started to evolve since then? Because obviously mm-hmm. I, after that, you got mine and started having a family yeah. and then having, that's a whole nother extra yeah. pressure because now you got to figure out how do I could still continue to grow individually. Mm-hmm. But there's people depending on me to always be there as well as how I can grow yeah. my family dynamic and how we could operate as a unit. And then yeah. I'm raising Younger light born, so it's like I have to have, feel the pressure of a father and you know, yeah. all these different thoughts and emotions. Bro, sometimes I don't even believe that I have four kids myself. Wow. <laughs> we have four kids, me and the same <laughs> Four, bro. I, I, I think I can start very soon. Where I can make sure things is things for us. All right. Oh, man. So that. Uh, that idea of having to raise a family though uh, like I always knew I wanted to have kids like did I know it was going to be four no you know maybe uh, maybe I thought I would have just been two you know but when I did the math and I was here working as a pastor and I was working for the church I went to the banks all the banks in Nassau that was in 2016 mm. went to the banks and I said hey if I wanted to go get a mortgage for a house what would it cost me and I think most part, everybody was asking for 10% of every 100,000. That's 10 grand every 100,000. Mm. So even though they tell you have at least 20. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're telling me now I still need twenty to $30,000 to get myself to have a down payment for something. Not, not anyone is necessarily going to give me a loan from that. Mm. I just came back from Canada with my pastor, religious studies degree. I'm working as a pastor here now. Mm. But they're paying me isn't enough to take care of a family. Hmm. But did you have your family at that point? No, 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 no. But I was looking like in terms of foresight. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I I looked at what they would pay me now and how much I would make over the next Mm. few years and how would I be able to provide. People do it fine. I just didn't see a way for me to do it, Mm. (laughs) you know? And so I I still had an offer on the table actually in Canada Mm. to return to Canada and start to work in childcare. Mm. Youth care uh, with with kids between the ages of four years old to eighteen, mm. and that op- that opportunity was still on the table. Mm-hmm. So when I recognized that it was going to take me longer to get started and kind of get my foot off the ground, um, I started talking to my now wife at that time. We were best friends for years, though. So Dania has always been in my life. You know, mm. she from BA years up until we we were always in touch and was no we were best friends for years and when i did move back in 2016 that's where we we were you know getting on the same page and i started to consider then you know raising a family with her Mm. bro so when i did the math and what it would cost it was just not feasible you know for us understandable Um, yeah we better get to why it was feasible now So, so obviously, because, you know, I think it would, like, what I realized too, you said this was 2016? Yeah. I feel like around 2016, 2017, a lot of people left and moved to Canada. Yeah. And I was like, 
Did I miss something? Because it was like, you know, it was like a time where I seen certain people and then the next thing I know, a couple months later, they encountered it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Man, are y'all, if y'all was wow. out there something, man, you should let me know. I might have been going too. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Even now, I'd probably classify Canada as the land of milk and honey, bro. You know? Mm. Um, but... No, but it was like specifically around that time, a yeah. lot of Bahamians yeah. relocated to Canada. And they were they were accepting, you know. I think uh, even now it's pretty easy to get into Canada compared to the States. Mm -hmm. And even if you look at it, a lot of our generation at that time too, like we must admit, we are we're going in an age where anything really goes, mm -hmm. you know. And if you if you feel as though your perspective is yours and mm -hmm. no one can this is where I respect people from a therapeutic sense uh -huh. is your ability to choose who you are and what you want to be, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's in line with my perspective of what life should be like or what my ideas of right, right. and wrong is or not, yeah. you know? And yet a lot of people who are feeling as though they're being more accepted if they were to go to Canada, uh -huh. you know? Um, and so not just that, but the opportunities were there. Of course. You know, like I say, I had a, I had a job interview, like I had a, it was waiting on me mm. when I came back. And I, I I jumped on that, bro. I jumped on that. And, and at that time, that was in 2017, mm. you know. Um, by 2018, I had my first house. Mm. Um, by 2019, um, I was already being promoted in my current job. I probably had, in my first two years of moving back to Canada, I was promoted like twice, mm. you know. And that was just me putting my head down and just, just going to work, you know. Okay, so at this time, when you moved by, were you still um, pastor, or no? Okay, no. I I was trying my best to still work in conjunction with the church, mm -hmm. but the work I was doing with the young people, it was just so time consuming. Mm -hmm. I was working like eighteen hour shifts at times. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sixteen to eighteen hours because we had youth that were involved with the justice system, right? So they. They would assault you. They had different behavioral issues, suicidal tendencies. Um, and it was one of those where when I jumped in the water, it was so comfortable to me that those kids that were having those issues didn't necessarily have them when I was around. You you're know? talking about when you initially was in Canada or you're talking about when you was younger? When I was in Canada, okay. like when I went back. Because remember now, I did my religious studies degree. Mm -hmm. I left, came back home. 2016, thought I was going to stay there for a while, but a year later I went back to Canada and I took that job of working with youth, mm. right? And when I was working in that job was then when I realized and I said to myself, okay, well, this can work. This can be feasible, mm. you know? And that's where I guess my skills were really, really developed because I was working so many hours and Mandania was there with me, right? Mm. So huge support. Um, and we just, we worked together, bro. And we just made it, made it happen, mm. you know? So... That was Canada, but I was studying my master's at the time. So I started my master's in January of 2017, mm -hmm. and I just did it online Okay. while I worked full-time and while I looked after the family, and yeah. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> so, during, obviously during this time, just to interject this, so mm -hmm. we are in now Men's Mental Health Month. Mm -hmm. And I think now... I feel like this has been a point of emphasis since the pandemic, because obviously the pandemic had everybody trapped in the house. Yeah. Everybody's on lockdown. And this was a time to reflect. And a lot of households either grew stronger or faulted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people started to 
Because everybody, I think, all around the world, like domestic abuse was up during that yeah. time. Yeah. However, so this isn't this isn't specific to anywhere because mm-hmm. it was like not everybody had to really deal with themselves and the people around them. And one thing came up was you know, men not taking their mental health seriously, or they feeling like they how they feel is ignored by general society. And then obviously, you know, we have this ratio where, you know, men commit suicide at a way higher rate than women. In fact, like, you know, I've had friends that took their own life, like, you know, multiple friends. So, you know, that's why I really, I'm a strong candidate to go into therapy, you know, checking your mental. Talk to us about, you know, your sort of experience with dealing with men and getting their mental health together. And then you mean you could include, you know, probably yeah. some of your personal experiences. Like again, back to the whole. Again, we we now in a time where men can talk about. Okay, I feel mm-hmm. the way of being a husband. I feel the way of being a father. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure it out, but still trying to pace myself and yeah. not really, you know, try to stay centered as much as possible. You know, it's it's funny. I I, I feel like that still takes us back to the biblical perspective on that one with mm. how much a man is supposed to be a provider. Mm. You know, and as much as we want to step away from that, I feel like that's still in our in our core. Mm. And because we do want to be providers, it's a challenge because now you have to balance being a provider, being a lover, but you also have to be, you have to balance who you are, mm. right? What do you really enjoy, right? Amongst your own family, amongst your own, you know, you mentioned something earlier about how, how I do so much and then and you know still try to find the balance. balance yeah you know and so really for men we aren't we've never been allowed to feel mm-hmm. you know we've never been allowed to discuss how we feel and i and i've recognized based on my conversations with other men it's because we feel like that's just going to distract us you know mm. we we have so much more going on that if i actually focus on this even though it's overwhelming me right now, yeah. it's going to prevent me from uh, achieving this. So let me put that aside for now and let me just focus on what I'm trying to achieve. But over time, that builds up, right? Mm. Because we go from one thing of accomplishments to the next. And we go from one thing then to an X. And again, and again, we find ourselves in the cycle. And sometimes we, we still don't feel like we're achieving much. Sometimes we still feel behind, mm. you know? Uh, men, like you said... They are at a higher rate of committing and following through with suicide. It's because as men, we're more impulsive, right? We're going we're gonna to react. And if we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Although women are actually more prone to come into counseling and therapy. Because mm. I think, because I was thinking about this today, because um, even in uh, social groups, a group of men, mm-hmm. I, and I, I always tell this to a lot of my lady uh, friends, I was like, you know, we always have this rhetoric here where it's like, wait, you need to stop like him, man. You're mm-hmm. around a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you realize that's something that men always did. Yeah. It's just that yesteryear, when a group of men come together, something was being done. Yeah. Something, we, okay, we get together to build this house. Uh, We're going to pave this room. Yeah. We're going to reap this. Yeah. We're going to go hunt. Yeah. Whatever. Now, when men get together, nothing's yeah. being done. Yeah. And that's why the women get mad because mm-hmm. you coming back from this gathering, empty-handed yeah so yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay yeah you used to you know yeah. they probably smoke and drink and have yeah. a good time but something constructive was, was being done, done from yeah. this gathering so yeah. i can bring my home yeah we gonna conquer this yeah oh yeah now we um 
the roads was break up. Now we have clear roads to mm-hmm. ease your life or whatever. But so, if you realize yeah. too, right? Like we also as men used to talk about our problems with each other, right? Yeah. So 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 men never necessarily or went to therapy or did these things because they would talk to their friend about it. Yeah. So when they are going and they're building these communities and they're they're expressing how they're feeling and all this even at once, yeah. that's something that's also I think changed with our community. Yeah. And instead of us being more helpful or supportive of each other, it's more of, I need to be ahead of you still. Yeah. And I need to stay ahead of you. And rather than us working together and coming here and chopping it up, we divide. Yeah. You know, but if Cause there's always egos and competition everybody want to be a king when everybody get eaten, you know? Man, you know? But, I got, but like you said earlier too, COVID had a, had a huge part to play in that too and even helping, I guess, us all recognize that we have to still deal with ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? The mental strains and the mental stresses that do come upon us, like I urge anyone, especially men, if you feel as though you're feeling too overwhelmed, if you feel as though at times the anxiety is getting the best of you, have a conversation with someone. It doesn't have to be a therapist, you know? It can be a support, it can be your dad, it can be your friend, the best friend of yours, but you gotta talk to somebody, right? Because bottling up, bottling it up at the end of the day, it only leads to rage. Yeah, know? and I think it leads to all the other things that the different social ills so it leads to I mean um sexually deviant or mm-hmm. I mean I keep in a bunch of women and yeah. causing all this mass chaos yeah. or you know picking up different addictions. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, because it's like you're trying to cope you you're trying to use some coping mechanism to make you feel good for at least once. Yeah. And it yeah. might be detrimental to everything. You know? and, I, and I realized that's how, like, it's from even being home now and doing sessions for free, right? So mm. every, every Wednesday I do counseling and therapy for free for the Bahamas. Mm. And I, I found now that both men and women were all struggling with some of the th- same things. We have negative coping strategies, mm. you know? Um, a lot of us, if not a huge part of the Bahamas, does turn to alcohol now, you know, yeah. uh, to deal with their stresses and their problems. Mm. You know, we're, we're now going down the road where... Um, cannabis, right, mm. uh, is now being used more widely, not just in other parts of the world, but it's coming now to the Bahamas too, where your average person you speak to, so they smoke weed, mm. you know, and it's not such a negative stigma attached to it as it was before, mm. right? So we have so many other different coping strategies, sexual addictions that come in, yeah. drug use that come in, and the drug use is now intensifying to where, like in Canada with folks, youth I was working with, I'm dealing with, we've doing Coke, fentanyl, molly, acid, you know, methamphetamines, like the works, crystal meth. Coming back home to the Bahamas now, I feel like my biggest concern for us is that if we're not careful and we don't get a hold of this thing, bro, and if we all don't hold ourselves accountable in some way, shape, or form and get ourselves back to a base, I can see where we're headed, bro. And that's what's scary for me. Hmm. So you think... Because when it comes to drugs in the Bahamas, this is a very colorful history. Mm Because obviously back in the 80s, this was cocaine, (laughs) large pot. And the older generation never spoke about it, but the more I investigate, Mm -hmm. and it was like, bro, like a lot of people, like especially the elites today, they cocaine. But they just hit it really good to whatever. But when you age and you really like sit down and look and analyze them, it's like, Okay, yeah, y'all try to wipe the slate clean to make it seem one way, but it's like, no, no. there's a lot of demons that. y'all dealing with and y'all dying with. Yeah, yeah. And, and not really telling anybody. And it's affecting it's affecting the country, bro. Yeah. You know, it's affecting the young people today. 
you know, and we got to change something. We got to change something. And the thing is, the drugs, drugs back then aren't the drugs today. You know, this fentanyl epidemic. Yeah. It's an opioid epidemic. Oh, my goodness, bro. Yeah. Like, the thing that people don't know when it comes to fent, you, you can touch it and you can die from that. A whiff of it can blow in your direction and you can you can pass away. That's how deadly these yeah, things how, are. Yeah. yeah. And it's lethal. Mm. Um, there were there were actually stories. There was an officer when I was work, living in Canada, so he was in the Calgary area, and he didn't have on gloves while he was doing a search. And the individual had some fentanyl in their pocket. Just from touching it, he overdosed and died. Wow. You know? And so we we in the Bahamas, you know, we think that we're just so good, we're protected, we're good, we'll be, you know, and I, we have a lot of time. That's the biggest misconception I think a lot of people have is we still have time. So I can do this now and I have time to work on that in the end. No, you actually don't know if you have enough time. You don't know how deadly what you're using is actually going to be. You don't know if it's going to be laced with something. You just don't know. But what you do think you know is that you have time. So you feel like you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Leaders too. Mm -hmm. Leaders in this country too, they, some of them still feel as though they have a lot of time. So over the course of the span of years, the drug problem in the country, they've tried to hide it and they've tried to deal with it because in their mind, we still have time. But at what point do we actually make a change? And what time does old money stop running the country? I think <laughs> old money never stop. I think a change of mentality is very much needed. So what what would make you say, I'm going to start giving free services to the bottom? Because I saw when you did the live with Keith last year. Yeah about it and i was like okay this is a very interesting thing and i feel that you know this is something that is probably was placed in your heart and mm -hmm. and as you look out into society and say okay this needs to be done so people that's another thing people mm -hmm. always talk about well i don't have um medical insurance to cover um me going to see a therapist yeah. and therapy is expensive and just yeah. that, and that. Yeah. but you know i I think what really pushed me was I, I did it for practicum, right? Um, I work with the organization um, Vantage Community Services. And Vantage had something in their system where every Tuesday and Thursday, every Tuesday and Thursday, they allowed this, they saw the public for free, huh. right? Now, they receive government subsidies and stuff to be able to do so. Uh, but I saw the impact it actually had on the communities. So based on the impact that I saw, I figured, well, hey, the Bahamas is in a state where there's still a stigma attached to mental health. And as you mentioned, people can't afford it. Mm. So therefore, if if my goal or my job, right, in returning back to the Bahamas is as simple to allow mental health therapy to be accessible to all Bahamians mm. so that everyone can have a chance to experience it at least once, mm. just once. Like you could come to me and some people probably have. Right, like you've probably come to me and we've had a conversation and we probably only had one or two sessions. And you might have felt as though your life has been so impacted by those two sessions that I might not have seen you again, right? But my job would have still been completed because everyone has to have an opportunity to at least experience it for themselves, see what it's like, and see whether or not it's something that they want to continue moving forward, forward with, right? So what really pushed me to doing it for free was because I saw the impact it had on a different community and I figured it could still be beneficial here. Right. Mm. So coming home and starting Phoenix Community Services, you know, and starting my own practice and um, providing sessions for free. We started it in the middle of the, or the end of the pandemic last year, 2022. We did it for the full year for free. And this year we're doing it for free again. 
you know, and we're still continuing to do it every Wednesday. And just so, like you say, people can have access to it and experience it. Now, if you, like you mentioned, it, it is costly. I think the average person here in the Bahamas is charging about... Like 120? 120 an hour. Yeah. I charge 85. Mm. I charge 85 an hour. And if you're a student, um, you get about, I think it's a 20% discount we give for students, mm. right? University or high school. Because I go as low as four years old, right? From mm. four years old all the way up to... University. University, whatever. You can get 20% off. You know, emergency cases where you call me in the last minute, it might just be 85, but we plan, we plan, bro. But my highest that I charge is 85 an hour. Okay, so, nah, you have four kids. You have mm -hmm. a whole wife. You're already settled in Canada. Yeah. What make you say, <laughs> boy, I can be a pack everything up and we going back home after um, this long stretch of time? Man, we actually tried to move home two or three times. Okay. And each time we, cause family man, family is important to us both, bro. Mm. You know, and, and being able to have my kids, like seeing my kids now spend time with my mom is enough for me. You know, seeing them spend time with their grandparents is enough for me. And the two times, two, three times we tried to move before, it wasn't feasible. Mm. You know, it just wasn't like we couldn't, we couldn't get solid jobs at that time. I, I was considering going on the police force, the defense force. Um, and this is after I would have gotten degrees, mm. you know. And then what made this time, I think, even more different was we we discussed it in terms of where we were both at. I know at first, Dania really wanted to come home more than I did. Um, and then I think in this final year, it was more of like a, a united front. And I yeah. front where we were like, you know what? Let's let's do it. We will have more support in terms of the kids. Um, for me to start a practice here in the Bahamas, it's totally easier than me starting a practice in Canada. It's more ropes and stuff that I have to go more through. Red tape. I tell more you, red tape. mafia <laughs> tactics are in the world. Like, yeah, it might be inconvenient a lot of times home, but yeah. you link up with right all it takes is a phone call and all kind of things can push you good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was, I was there in Canada, and I guess what really gave me the confidence that I could do this mm. and be in the Bahamas and provide this service and raise my kids here, right? Which was a goal of mine. I never wanted to raise my kids in another Because country. I was about to ask you, because what I'm seeing from a lot of people, mm -hmm. they want to move mm -hmm. to these first world countries, but they don't like what a lot of them pushing on the on kids. The, on the kids. Yeah. And they're like, nah, like, I'd rather... Yeah. I'll be in this bubble. I can yeah. take this hardship. Yeah. But I know my kids won't be, bro. like, they won't be taught things that I don't want them to be taught. And it's a jungle out here, bro. Mm -hmm. It's a jungle, you know. Yeah. And I even mean here in the Bahamas, it's a jungle, not just in the other parts of the world. Mm. And so to be able to have my kids here, our kids here, and we have grandparents that are playing a huge role. The village is, the village is raising our kids. Mm. The school they go to, um, their aunt owns the school, hmm. you know? And if we know, like in Canada, if I told the money in LJ at the time, yes, sir, no, ma'am, hmm. they go to school and all that goes out the window, hmm. right? There's no respect. There's no, but if we, if we, you're here and you say to your grandma and you answer yes and not yes, ma'am, you got, you got help with that, hmm. you know? So the village is raising them. It's helping us raise them. And the, the 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 end point of saying you know what the confidence and even being willing to do this and start from scratch was because 
I, I climbed the ranks, bro. I, I kept feeling as though in Canada, there was everything. Like, I would want to do this. And then when you get the next house, then you'll be good. You know, then you'll be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, when you get this next position and promotion, then you'll be good. Uh, my current title right now is actually the manager of the Red Dare Children's Community um, Addiction and Mental Health Clinic, right? Mm-hmm. So judges would court order kids to come to my facility, mm-hmm. right? If they're struggling with drugs, let's say you had a child. Mm. and you thought your child was using any substance, you could go to court. Court would give you a document. You take that document to the police, and the police bring them to my facility, which I was running. Right, I was overseeing probably about 20 nurses, um, addictions counselors, family therapists. I had child youth care workers under my portfolio. You know, I've managed programs where I've had um, about 15 kids under my caseload at a time along with 30 and more staff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did all that and, and I, I managed programs and then doctors started to call me. Mm-hmm. And they started to say, man, Lorenzo, we need you to come and speak to this kid because they wanted my perspective. So I figured, well, if they're really respecting me and I guess if I have so much to offer, why not give it to the Bahamas, bro? You know, that those other countries did nothing for me, mm-hmm. nothing. The Bahamas is my land. So why not come back to the Bahamas? Why not give what I have to the Bahamas? You know, is it going to be hard? Yeah, you got to start over. I got to figure out what the mafia ties looking like these days. Don't forget about the wrong ties. I got to figure it out, man. And and I'm having a, it's a a pleasure to figure it out, bro. It's a Mm. pleasure to be here in the land with everybody. Mm. The same struggles, working doubles, working night shifts. Um, I've done so much since I've been home. I've, I've went and did certifications in, in blackjack, poker. I'm working on a roulette right now to try and get in the, in the casino. Like, I want this out of two. Nothing. <laughs> so this is for you? For <laughs> leisure? Because I was like, oh, Nothing, bro. It's just because I, I got to hustle, bro. Mm. And, and if, if it's taking a while for the counseling and the psychotherapy and the clientele to get, it's probably going to, let's be honest, it's probably going to take me about, I gave like three, four years. Three, four years. I give myself five. No, because I, I don't know if you ever heard. I remember Harrison, when he first started his practice, mm-hmm. he used to have to go in the middle of the road mm-hmm. with big placards and say, come to therapy. Yeah. And I, like he said, it when I went to the Dare Future Wifey, he's like, for three years, his wife had to hold him down mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the grind be like the that, grind, but then the, the taste of victory be so sweet. So, yeah. bro, I've been, I've been away from this country for a decade. Yeah. And in a decade... So much there, bro. Like, like, how is that for you? That's that's a good question. question, bro. How you feel? Like, how things change? How is it basically relatively mm-hmm. stayed the same, or it's still little nuances in you know? life itself? Or not talking about like you just coming back home versus because I know it's this thing to wait. Things really change, or they yeah. really change that much. It's just yeah. different people, or the people who was there before are just a little bit older. This, you know, how has it changed for me? I feel like. The people, the people still make it difficult for you to succeed. Hmm. You know, it's sad, but it's true. Like the amount of running around I've already done. And that's why I say I'm in it, right? Yeah. I'm in it. I'm not just in it from a perspective of trying to start my own practice for the first time. I'm in it as I'm applying for jobs just like everybody else still. Hmm. I'm hustling just like everybody else. You, you tell someone that they need to go and they need to do this certification and then they'll be approved for this job. 
I go and I do this certification to be approved for this job and I still don't have a job. Mm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in that aspect of things, it's like, it's still who you know. Yeah. You know, it's still, that's what gets you through the door, even though you might be more qualified than someone, even though you might have better experience, better knowledge. Um, it's just, just, it's just what it is, you know? But moving back to the Bahamas, man, I, I think I'd say that what I love most is just the people. You know, mm -hmm. I can, and the environment, like I can still go down and go to the beach if I need to go to the beach. Yeah. I can still take a trip to the Exumas if I need to go to the Exumas. You know, every, like once a month, twice a month, they fly me out to Abaco to do a day clinic, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I'm starting to see where if I just stay committed to it mm -hmm. and I keep pressing forward, then it's all going to come back around. Because what always keeps me grounded is this idea of like, when I first moved back and started meeting the experts, I'm mm. like, what making y'all come in and yeah. saying, you know, and then I started figuring out what they start, like why, how they're seeing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I'm like, okay, if I take this or approach, everything going to be all right. But also would make me, you know, help me along the way is the whole networking aspect. And yeah. me not sort of limiting my mind, like, yeah, this is just home base, but my branches extend everywhere. Extended. You got to be so, global. Yeah. Right? Like, you got to be global. I, I think what, what does it for me now is, that was a hard question for me to answer because I've started to detach myself from what's going on around me. Mm. Like, if it if it's not in, if it's my family's not involved and the businesses is not involved, then I might not be involved. You get what I'm saying? Mm. And so... Social media, I'm not on it, right? I'm not on IG. Well, I should say right now, right? I'm not on IG, Facebook. You know, will I be in the future? Maybe I'll get back on those, right? But I always find the different points and times in my life when it's time for growth and when it's time for expansion. Um, I just don't need so much distractions, bro. Right? And that's where it is for me. So there, there's a lot that I do love and that I don't love about being home, how slow things still are. Like, mm. if I give you, let's say I have to apply for a job, right? Mm. And you want to see my degrees. Mm. If I give you my official transcripts for my undergrad and my master's degree, and then I give you my physical master's degree for you to get a copy of it, you should, why is it still important that I have to find the original copy of the bachelor's degree if you have my original transcript, if you have my completion letter, if I can give you a digital copy of it, why must I then go through the ropes of having to find a physical copy of a bachelor's degree when all it takes for you to verify it is just give someone a call? You still yeah. have to verify it, yeah. right? So stuff like that is, <laughs> is I mean, frustrating. Like, like again, but, back to the mafia desk, because if they really want you, or they, they just know, well, okay, we can fact check the card. Mm -hmm. All right, that's mm -hmm. true, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so you know that's so, all that really is. So it's in like, time, bro. Yeah, <laughs> in time. I yeah, sitting with you, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> through, so, through course, so, you Yeah, know. man. But what's yeah. what's next for you? Like, what's the oh, forecasting? Because we halfway through twenty twenty three. Yeah, I'm already, mentally. I'm already preparing for twenty twenty four. Yeah, I was just but, gonna say that, bro. Yeah. Like twenty twenty three is done to me. Yeah, you know. Um, I always find myself now, and that's what makes me realize, even hearing you say that, it's like maybe I'm on the right path to something, yeah. is I've find, found myself planning a year ahead in advance. So before I started providing therapy for free last year, mm -hmm. in 2021, I was planning to do that. Having my business proposals and stuff out. So 2022 was just an action plan for me. Mm -hmm. um, in 2022, I was planning a summer camp to do in the Bahamas. Like all these stuff were in my mind. Even while I was still working full time, mm -hmm. 
it was a possibility of, okay, if I go home, this is what it'll look like. Free therapy still, summer camp, keep kids, keep youth involved. I'm from Pinewood, bro. Mm. Pinewood Gardens, bro. Sugar Apple Street, to be exact. You know? So if I could if I could just get back into the communities. So that's what I started doing. So the, the camp that I have going on next for me is we're continuing to do free therapy, counseling and therapy on a weekly basis, every Wednesday for free. Um, in July, we have a summer camp for youth between the ages of 7 to 15. So if you have nowhere to send your kids, if you, you, you just want someone to even babysit them for a month, send them our way. You know, we're providing water and lunch. It's included in the price of $280 for the month. Mm-hmm. All right? And you can bring them out. It's going to be a Cleveland Ineas mm-hmm. Primary School. Okay. Um, and that's July 3rd straight to the 29th. You know, so that's what I have going on this summer. Um, and then 2024 is going to be huge, right? Mm. 2024 is going to be that place where I would like to get us where we have a, a conference, bro. You know, a mental health conference. Maybe we, we can connect with Harrison those, right? And that's something yeah, that'd be we, great. Could, we could put on on a yearly basis and mm. just have, you know, folks come and we talk about stuff like family. And yeah, because I don't think no one has ever mentioned it because I know it's some another type of event that I've been in conversations with with my brethren. I saw them this morning at church. Like, we wanted to do, like, you know, because we always talk about a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of women empowerment type yeah. of stuff. Like, it's like, we need to make something for the men. Yeah. And I was like, we, you know, we mother over here. I was like, probably we may have, like, do like a suit up type of thing where like, uh, you pick a spot and you tell everybody, like, you yeah. come best dressed, we can take pictures, yeah. you know, gather <laughs> your fellowship, da 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 da. So, um, I think things like that to where, you know, promotes positivity and togetherness mm-hmm. and you to sort of, have iron sharp with iron moments yeah. is always powerful because yeah. we can't exist in this world alone. We shouldn't ever feel alone. We yeah. always a part of a community and we yeah. just need to connect and yeah. touch out and reach somebody and give people yeah. words of encouragement all the time. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, if you man. need help, you know, go to the professionals. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's just, that's kind of what's next for me, bro, in that sense of um, family. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to put things in place to make sure my family's good. You know, investment-wise, you know, mm. maybe that'll be a conversation for another day. But real estate-wise, markets-wise, um, I'm, I'm putting things in place in that sense. But then, as my foot and my ground is on the floor, is like my feet are on the floor. It's like okay, now I, I have to maybe get a night job. You know, and I don't think that'll ever change about me. Mm. Well, Cause you look like you like the hustle and yeah, like, man, like, yeah, I gotta know. keep going. You know. Yeah. So even when you see clients, you get to the point where. Um, I guess my goal weekly, mm. um, and I don't want to be a therapist for the rest of the time being, mm. right? Let's just get that off the table. So someone might call and they might speak to me today, but within the next three years, four years time, mm. it's going to be where I'm not the therapist you speak to. And so I can get a contract, a number of therapists to work within the team mm. and they see the clients, bro. So that's where the clientele builds up to a point where I'm just, I'm just helping to Organize the whole thing, yeah. right? Because that's what I was doing in Canada, right? I was actually managing the counselors, the therapists, the nurses, the staff, right? And so a facility where you see I can have youth come mm. and if their government mandates them. So if you're listening, if someone important listening, you know, call me, call me, I'm right here. You know, if you're looking for someone to run a program for you here, government-wise, where you you want youth to come and feel some sense of rehabilitation, especially those that we send up to Sunderland, you know, especially those that the community itself is classifying as crazy when they really just need someone to speak to, right? I might just be a guy, 
right? So that'll be my goal, bro, is to, to run a facility like that where it's all just working and it's a fine engine but in and within of itself. Mm, sounds good. Well, I'd like to thank Mr. Lorenzo Rule for joining yeah. us on another great episode of Everything Cool. I love having these conversations, you know. This is inspiration because mm -hmm. a lot of people trying to figure out how to make this $50. But in the summer, <laughs> you didn't make six, one summer, 10, next summer. And, you know, understanding because all the time people always just see the glamour and the glitz, but mm -hmm. they don't know the hard work no that goes different. behind it. And, you know, that's what we always try to push. But, you know, I thank you. And hopefully we can do this again. Like, I'm really going to put together something where we have a bigger general conversation around a lot of these different things and a different yeah. form and stuff like that. Because I think that's long overdue. And one way or another, I can figure it out. Yeah. Probably after I take this next trip and start to buckle down uh, for 2024, we make yeah. something shake. Yeah, man. But yeah, thank you so much again for coming. Yeah, bro. Until next time. Until next time. So yeah. this is episode 91, you know, we got a lace. Probably eight more until episode 100. But continue on the journey as we go this way. And then, you know, we can see what happens at 100. Yeah, man. <laughs> so thank you all again for watching. Um, all Lorenzo's contacts will be in the details down below. And we can see you all later. Yeah, you see. Ooh, bye.